You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. You know, the theme for this year, which I want to pick up on this morning with you all, is here now. And uh, every year, Pastor Paul just has a phrase, a theme, something to undergird, uh, bring focus, clarity uh, to us as a church as we navigate through the next 12 months in the calendar. And his whole focus this year is that we are to live present and focus on the here, right here, right now. I thank God that we serve a God who is alive. Amen. Coming up to Easter time, hallelujah, Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. He's not dead. We don't serve a historic, you know, God. We serve a God who is alive, active, present, powerful, and loving. Right here, right now, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what I've come to realize is that God does have a very wonderful future for us. And I'm going to get this classic verse to come up on the screen behind me from Jeremiah 29, 11. And I guarantee you, if I asked you what verses from the Bible you had memorized or you knew, most of us would know John 3:16, for God so loved the world. And I guarantee right up there on the top of the list would be this verse where God says, uh, to Israel, in one of their most dire situations, they were in Babylonian captivity. Everything had turned to custard. It was actually self-induced because they turned their back on God. They wound up 70 years as slaves under the, the tyranny of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian, the historic Babylonian empire. And they were in bondage in this place for 70 years. And they thought, man, we've stuffed it. We're in a bad place. We'll never get out of here. The future is bleak. There is no hope. We deserve to be here. You know, we're doomed, we're doomed. And God came and he shoulder tapped them through the prophet. He said, hey, Israel, I never forget. I know the thoughts, the plans that I'm continually having. And they're plans of good and not of evil. They're plans to give you a future and a hope. And the future can be bigger. It can be better and brighter. You might be sitting here this morning full of anxiety, full of trouble, fear has gripped your heart, uncertainty. Maybe you're even feeling like taking your own life. But my friend, God has got thoughts going out towards every single one of you. And those thoughts are full of his intentions and his plans. And he's saying, please, down there on earth, would you connect to what is going out from my heart? And you say, Campbell, you've got no idea what I've done, where I've been. It doesn't matter. God, his heart and his motivation is saying, just let me forgive you. Let me get into your heart. If I can change your heart and I can change your here now, the future will be so much different. And uh, I'm such a, you know, so privileged to be part of a church with so many hundreds of people. And I, you know, as the weeks go on, you hear another story and you think, oh my gosh, I've only known you because of how I've got to know you. But you suddenly hear where God has brought people from. And there's nothing that, you know, people in this church haven't been out of, been been involved in, and we're full of trophies of grace of people that God has picked up, healed, mended their broken hearts, taken the scales off their eyes, and given them a new hope and a new home. Amen? I thank God that Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit are heart gods. Let me just read a couple of verses from the Bible uh, to you, and then we're going to focus on the heart this morning. Uh, The Bible tells us, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. God says, these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Uh, The Bible says, love one another fervently out of a pure heart. You're very good. Um, 
The Bible says, let us draw near with a true heart. That's right. David says, therefore, my heart rejoiced. Uh, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Um, Jesus said, because I have said these things to you, sorrow, sorrow has filled your heart. Jesus said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Conversely, a bad man out of the bad treasure of his bad heart brings forth bad things. And all the way throughout the Bible, the Bible talks about a soft heart, a hard heart, a good heart, an evil heart, this heart, that heart, guard your heart, protect your heart, look after your heart. And Jesus was the greatest teacher ever. No one came even close. He was so amazing. Entire cities would empty out. They would walk out to the side of a hill and a whole city would sit on the side of a hill, no public address system, no nice comfortable chairs, no coffee out in the foyer. They would sit there for days on end to hear the words that came out of his mouth. And Jesus at one stage said, hey guys, I've had nothing to eat for three days. I mean, three days out in the side of a hill, side of, you know, Mangari Mountain there, listening to Jesus just caught it all and just talk and talk and talk for three days. He was amazing. He had four major ways that he used to communicate. The number one way he communicated was through his lifestyle. And people will not listen to what you say verbally if it's not backed up with your life. Amen? Amen? They say uh, one in the eye is worth a thousand in the year. If you know, you're listening to people and they're talking the talk, but they're not walking the walk. How many know you lose credibility real quick? You lose trust. Jesus had the most amazing exemplary lifestyle. The second uh, most popular way he taught was the use of parables. A parable comes from a, a Greek word, parabole. Para means beside, like think of parallel, two track parallel. Uh, think of like a parachurch, beside the church. Para means beside. Bole means ball. And the concept of a parable was uh, a natural illustration that was thrown down beside a spiritual illustration to help us more fully appreciate and understand the truth of the spiritual truth that was being talked about. So rabbis would throw down a natural illustration. So Jesus was saying, I want to talk to you about the heart. And listen to this, church. Of all the parables in the Bible, Jesus spoke, gave more time and more content to speaking about the parable of the soils, which relates to the human heart. It is so important, it is in Matthew's gospel, a great big chunk. It's in Mark's gospel, a great big chunk. And Luke whacked, he said, this is so important, I'm going to put it into my gospel. There is more content around the parable of the soils than any other parable Jesus mentioned. And in Mark, he said this, he said, if you don't understand the parable of the sower, how on earth are you going to understand every other parable? In other words, the parable of the sower is the key that unlocks the truth to every other parable. And the parable talks about the condition of the human heart and true and false conversion. And there's some wonderful things in here I'm gonna bring to us because right now sitting in this room, six, you know, 100 people, every single one of us have got a heart. And we've all got exactly the same blood flowing through our veins. We're all human beings. No one is greater, no one is lesser, no one is more important. We're all made in the image and likeness of God and we have a human heart. And the heart can change. 
and the heart can adapt and the heart can grow. And if the heart is healthy, it produces a healthy life. But if the heart gets sour, sourness. If the heart gets small, your life becomes small. If your life gets hurt and your heart gets hardened, you put up barriers to keep people away. And the very thing you want, which is love and acceptance, you end up repelling people away. Jesus Christ is a heart God and he understands the heart, which is why he spoke more about the heart. He said, you can can fake all the externalisms, but I want to get right into your heart and take everything else away about Christianity. It is about a heart coming back to the source of God and getting reconnected and recalibrated with God and getting back into a place where once again we see ourselves in the light of reality and we realize, Lord, I'm just the creation and you are the creator and I need you and I need to love you and honor you. And just like a cell phone being plucked, plugged into the wall socket every night to charge up its batteries, we realize we are not independent we are made to be dependent upon God. And the heart is the most important thing. And Jesus talked about a parable, and it's in Matthew 13, it's in Mark 4, and it's in Luke uh, 8. And you can read it, study it. Such a powerful parable. And Jesus talked about a sower who had a bag of very good grass seed. And I know about grass seed because a few years ago I got rid of the trampoline our kids were young they had a trampoline they got older I thought you don't need this anymore so whacked it on trade me and sold it <laughs> like, dad where's that trampoline gone I'm like oh, that season's over it's gone and so um you know we killed off the old ratty weedy grass there and we irrigated it put a little rotary hoe thing through it you know fertilized it and uh, I said to my friend Paul Mansfield who's a you know a grass specialist I said what's the best grass he said Cam go to such and such a place and get yourself some tall fescue I was like, oh, there's other stuff that's cheaper. He said, no, no, get the, good, get the good quality seed. And laid it down, put the mats over it, and three or four weeks later, beautiful lush grass. And it's a delight to mow the grass and to see the strips, you know, where you mow it. And just to get bare feet and walk on grass is one of the simple pleasures of life. <laughs> Especially when you have a little puppy you can get down and cuddle and, you know. You know. <laughs> and it's just so, so nice. Anyway, and so Jesus talked about the good sower. That refers to himself sowing the seed of the kingdom. And he talked about four different types of soil. And the first type of soil he talked about, he said the first type of seed, he said, fell on the, uh, fell on the wayside. And I wonder if we can bring this uh, scripture up. This scripture is um, Matthew 13 and verse uh, 19. And uh, it says this, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom... And does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives the seed by the wayside. When you imagine these beautiful big one-acre lots of uh, agricultural you know, farming territory where they made you know, wheat and corn and they did their, their, their farming. And in between the paddocks were basically footpaths, but it wasn't concrete. It was just where all the travelers and the people walked. And over years and years, generations and generations, it was the same dirt that was in the field, but it had been compacted, trampled upon, and it became so hard that when the seed hit it, it didn't have a hope in Texas (laughs) of germinating, and the birds would come straight down and pluck that seed up. So Jesus is talking about a type of person who throughout their journey of life, their heart has become hardened and it's almost impenetrable. And God is praying, Jesus is praying in heaven, the saints are praying, your grandma's praying, but your heart is hardened. 
life's got a way of being real hard. Amen? Uh, life is tough. Life is rough. And if we don't be very, very careful and vigilant with our hearts, our hearts become hardened. And we've all met people and it's like staunch. It's like they've got their shades on and there's a staunchness. What, what it is, is their hearts have become hardened. And so you don't feel a warmth or an empathy or a genuine people orientation or connection. There's just a staunchness that comes off them. There is what we call street hardness. But something that Jesus encountered a lot in his time that is very prevalent today is what I call religious hardness. Do you know you can sit in church years after year, decade after decade, and your heart can still be hard? Jesus came to his own, the nation of Israel, who went to the synagogue, went to the temple, prayed, fasted, did all that stuff. And the Bible says Jesus came to his own, and his own people received him not. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing in other words, I was willing. The unwillingness was not on my part. It was on your part. Their hearts had become so hard. This person in this condition doesn't have a chance of getting saved unless they allow God into the hardness of their heart to begin to break up that soil and soften their heart. Sadly, this person in that condition didn't get saved. The second person is what I call a superficial heart. And if we can bring this verse up, uh, verse 20 to 21, Jesus said, He who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Hallelujah, I'm saved. Woohoo! it's so good to be in church. They're, they're excited and enthusiastic. Yes, pastor, what do you want me to do? I'll get involved. I'll go to next steps. I'll do this. I'll do that. But wait, there's more. He receives the word with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, immediately he stumbles. This soil was rich, thick, cultivated, aerated, irrigated, beautiful soil. But they say in Israel, in a lot of these places, just below the surface, there'd be a big strata of lime rock that would go right through the region. And if they didn't put enough soil down, there was only like, you know, six, nine inches thick. The little seed would land, put its little, you know, little roots down, but it couldn't find a water source because it was only, it was a mile wide, but only six inches deep. So it would put all of its energy into growing very quickly and leaves would come out and the farmer would go, oh, this is wonderful. Until the season changed and the hot summer came and the sun began to shine and the little plant was like, I'm parched. Man, I need a drink. I needed some water. But it couldn't get water because there was harshness just below the surface. Therefore, Jesus said, this plant withered and it died. So this person got saved and uh, enthusiasm and joy and there was emotion. But 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, 5 years, 10 years, where are they? Their spiritual life withered. You're not saved because you prayed a prayer 5, 10, 20 years ago. You're saved today because you are connected to God today. I'm not still married to Carl just because I had a wedding ceremony, you know, in November oh <laughs> uh, 19, uh, 20th of November, 1997. Is that right? <laughs> oh, it's 21 years ago anyway. Anyway. 
I'm married today because she's still got a ring on her finger, amen? <laughs> but actually today, she goes, oh my gosh, I forgot my wedding ring today. So I don't know if we still are married, actually. <laughs> no, we are still, of course we're married. But how many know a lot of people get married years ago, but 20 years later, they're not still married, Amen? It takes a lot to maintain a human relationship. How much more a relationship with God? And a lot of people get saved and they're all excited, but at a a deeper level, you get down, there's this passive rebellion, passive disobedience. Oh God, you can come into this compartment in my life, but oh God, oh no, 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 that's out of bounds. No, no, don't don't, don't talk to me about that region. No, 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 that's, that's my private life. And they departmentalize their lives and wonder why their Christianity doesn't endure Let me tell you, friend, if he's not Lord of all, your social, your religious, your financial, your sexual life, your, you know, every region, he's only going to do good. The only stuff he's going to kick out is the stuff that's going to hurt you anyway. He's got our best interests at heart. Let him into every room. Say, God, it might hurt. Come in, blow out the cobwebs, and you'll never regret it. Amen? And so, sadly, the second type of person did get saved, but they didn't last. And the little plant withered and died, and they're no longer a Christian. Very, very sad. It was a condition of the heart because there was stuff they were not willing to let go of. You give the enemy a foothold, my friend, it'll become a stronghold. It'll take you out. It's life and death, this game. It's not a game. It's life and death. Amen? The third type of person, uh, if we can bring up this verse, I think it's um, Mark 4, 18 to 19. These are the ones sown among the thorns, the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Entering in, they choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. I thank God Jesus is telling us very clearly that here's three things that you can be having a wonderful Christian life. You're zooming ahead with God. You're serving. You're blessing others. You're on fire. It's been a decade. Everything is good. My friend, no matter who you are, doesn't matter whether you're Paul de Jong, whether you're Gerard Chong, whether you're Josh Sowie, it doesn't matter who we are. We've all got the same flesh, the same heart. There will be weeds that will try and come up. And Jesus said this, is the, the cares of this life. Anxiety is a massive thing in our world today. People got anxiety gripping their heart. And the Bible says, do not be anxious for anything. But in all things, by prayer and supplication, if you're concerned about it, bring it to God. Talk to God about it. Court it all with the Lord. Say, God, I'm concerned about my kids, my future, finance, housing, whatever it is. If it's a concern to you, it's a concern to God. Don't run to your old mates. Don't run back to the nightclub. Don't run, you know, back to your old vices. Run to your father and talk to him. Pray about it. Don't be careless, but be prayerful and talk to God and get it off your heart. You say, oh, pastor, I did that and I'm still anxious. We'll run back to God the next day. Have another court at all. Say, God, God, unload your heart to God. Unload your, and as you unload your heart to God, it's amazing how your heart will change. Remember years ago, uh, Carl and I came out of a very challenging season pastoring a church previously in Wellington. Had some wonderful years there. We're dreaming of growing old and pastoring a great church there and the movement we're a part of. And, and sadly, that very quickly came to an, an abrupt ending. And we were both really hurt. You feel like you've been violated. It's just like, oh, so frustrating. I'm 38 years old. I'm effectively unemployed. 
oh, this sucks. I've got a young family. Where am I going? What's happening? I've done my apprenticeship. I'm ready to serve you, God. And, and suddenly everything turns and you just feel like, oh, you're just being gutted. And, and you know, we both had to just really pray and just say, God, we just, we've got unanswered questions. This hurt. But God, you just bring your heart to God. And you bring your heart to God and you wake up at night and you're angry about, why did that happen? But you keep praying. It's a wonderful verse in Ezekiel where God says to the prophet, he says, I will take your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And Coral used to take that verse and pray it every day. God, you've got to help me in this situation. I can feel I'm, I'm upset, I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm wounded, I'm raw, I'm, oh God. But you continue to say, God, you promised you'll take out my heart of stone because church, we know when our heart's getting hard, don't we? We're all made of the same stuff. Someone only has to cut us off in the road. And <laughs> you know, five minutes ago, we're singing a shout of hallelujah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. We're all the same, you know. And I'm like, God, don't sweat the small stuff. Lord, bless him, forgive him, whatever. Just, I just talk to God about it. Every frustration, every concern, every bit of hardness, every disappointment. That's what God is for. Amen. And these things here, the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches. And, you know, Pastor Paul has preached a wonderful message and written a wonderful book on this whole theme. But church money has a voice and it's always speaking, 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 saying, come, come, serve me. And Paul the Apostle writes and he says, for the love of money is a root. It's a tap root of all different types of evil from which many have strayed concerning the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. He said, run from the love of money. You use money, make it your servant. It is a bad, bad master. But money is always knocking. And how many people we know used to serve God, used to love God until they started getting prospered. And, you know, God's like, be careful when you come into the promised land. And, oh, you're living in the promised land and you're drinking out of this beautiful well and you got, you know lush palm trees, and everything's good. Beware lest you forget the Lord your God. And there's something about materialism. Jesus is saying, be very careful. The cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches. And then he said, and the desire for other things. It doesn't need to be bad things. I found in my life, it's just stuff. Ever since I was young, I've always been passionate about what I was into. When I was a little kid, it was BMX bike riding. Had my HMX 500, you know, make little ramps and run down Mungakiki Avenue and jump in the air and jump off old walls and do skids on old ladies' lawns and rip the lawn up and, you know, just get up to mid. Love my BMX riding. I used to go out here to uh, Skatopia. How many remember Skatopia? Me and Ned. <laughs> Long before Rainbow's End was out there, my friend, me and Ned were out there on our skateboards. There's a big concrete American-style skateboard park with massive big half pipes. And I was just a little 10-year-old kid, like far out looking at all the big teenagers on their skateboards. My dad said, man, Campbell, do you ever talk about anything else? Because it's all about my BMX bike and my sky. So fixated on it. And I've found over the years there's always something, you know, I've loved my running. I've done triathlons, endurance cycling. Could be kettlebells, barbecuing, dogs. You know, there's always something, isn't there, to take our focus <laughs> I'm oh, not barbecuing dogs, no. <laughs> but Kobe does love the barbecue, and after I've done a big brisket, he's up there. Once it cools down, he's up there under the... <laughs> licking at all the little fats come down, you know. But, you know, guys, we're all made from the same stuff. There's always something to take our focus away. And 
you know, I grew up as a young kid going to church with my family until my dad got into yachting and then joined a yacht club and the racing was on a Sunday and suddenly dad wasn't taking us to church, it was mum. And you can, we, all, we all know how stuff happens, doesn't it, you know? There's always something and Jesus talked about, be careful about the desire for other things. It doesn't have to be bad things. Could be woman. Amen? How many know women are not bad necessarily? <laughs> but how many know women can take men away from their calling, if you know, or vice versa? Well, it could be, it could be a men taking a will. Oh, come on, don't look at me, go quiet this morning. <laughs> you know, we end up worshipping the creation rather than worshipping the creator. And the creation dangles a carrot and they take us away. And suddenly, where's Billy? Oh, Billy's gone. You know? Jesus said, watch out for the desire for other things. And we need to use things. And I, you know, talking about a little, got a month ago, a little beautiful uh, dog, uh, border collie dog called um, Kobe. And uh, one of the reasons was, among others, when I was young, I lived in Mungakiki Avenue, which I was on the northern side of One Tree Hill and used to love taking my German shepherd dog called Tasha up One Tree Hill at nighttime and just praying and as a young Christian, just love being the, the simplicity and the serenity of being under the stars and just the sound of the lambs and just being up there and just praying and talking to God and looking over the city lights, looking down there at Ellerslie and, you know, Penrose and up to Rimuera and out to, you know, Mount Eden there and praying and praying and just, just love being with God and just the little dog there. Just, you know, just the simplest, simplicity of being out and talking with, being with God. And, you know, and I, I said a while ago, man, I, you know, life gets busy and we live by uh, East Auckland and the big hill where we live called uh, Point View Reserve. And now I take my little dog, Kobe, up there at night time. And I know I shouldn't because she's not fully vaccinated yet, but who cares? <laughs> anyway, we just, we just you, know, you know, got a bit of naughty, eh? You know, um, take Kobe up there and just pray and just put your hoodie on at night time and just get up there, put your old overalls on, just pray and look over the city and talk to God. And Kobe's just there. He's a faithful little mutt. <laughs> little dog, you know. Oh, and it's good just to keep everything in perspective and just to, just to pray and, and keep your relationship with God. Amen? So we have the hard heart, the superficial heart, the worldly heart. And finally, we come to this verse, and uh, if we can bring up this, this last verse here, which is a compilation of uh, what Matthew, Mark, and Luke said about the good heart. It said, But he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, accepts the word, understands the word with an honest and good heart, and he keeps it and he bears fruit with patience, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirtyfold. Which means when God's word gets into your heart, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground by day, sleep by night, but the seed itself will sprout and grow even though he doesn't know how. If the Word of God gets into the good soil of your heart, the genetic potential, the DNA, the potential of God is in His Word. If it gets into good soil, it will produce. And it will produce the desired future, the plans that God has. But the key is we've got to keep our heart soft. We've got to keep our heart from being superficial. We've got to be real. And you know, if I was to stand up here and, and say, I'm Superman, You'd go, no, you're not. You're an egg. 
But this is what people do in life. They, they convince themselves there's something other than what God has ordained. I'm Superman. I put my cape on. And I say, you watch this. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and I run and I jump off the stage. And guess what? Reality has a way of exposing fantasy. And that's what people happens in their life. They think they are something other than God created them to be, and they come down with a thud because reality will always expose the fantasy bubble that we live in. Jesus said if the Word of God is going to germinate in your life, it will be for those who have got an honest and a good heart. Those who are connected to reality, connected to God, connected to God's truth. And the Bible says, buy the truth and do not sell it. I tell you what, there's a lot of things come knocking at the door of your heart asking you to compromise. Come on, it won't really matter. Writer of Proverbs says, buy the truth, hold on to it and don't sell it. You've got to hold the truth in your heart. You know, we're part of a wonderful church. Yeah, but Pastor Paul, he's not the Pope. Say amen. <laughs> he's not your mediator between man and God. You know, I you know, function as a pastor and a teacher and I can help and encourage you, but you have to connect with God for yourself. And if you don't get your spade out and dig your own well and dig through some of the harshness and the hardness in your heart and find your own connection with God, let me tell you, the sun will come up and the heat will come. Life has got a way of being tough, rough and rugged. And if you don't have a water source and you connect with God personally for yourself, when the heat comes up, you will wither and die. And that's very sad because it means your salvation is not, it's not real. It's, not, it's, it's, it's a historical thing. But Christianity is an ongoing relationship and walk with God, just like a human relationship. And I want to encourage you, church. God has a wonderful future for us. We are experiencing as a church a wonderful now because of seeds and the cultivation of soil and the prayers, and the laboring, and the giving, and the serving, and the opening of people's homes, and serving, and volunteering, and we are a part of a wonderful church, and we are setting up as we continue to sow, and invest, and doesn't matter who you are, we've all got to keep our hearts soft, because the tendency is, well, stuff them, stuff you, boom, and the barriers we put up, I say, it's all right to have a thick skin in life, but we have to maintain a soft heart. Amen? Bring your scars to God and he can turn them into stars. But if you don't bring those scars to God, they will get infected. And I tell you, the devil will come and he'll work on those and it'll get infected and it'll get full of infection and it'll become very dangerous and you'll defile others. So bring your pain, bring your hardness to God. You know, Charles Finney, one of the greatest revivalists ever, would not pray for people and lead them into the Lord while that harshness was retained in their life. Someone walked up to him and says, yeah, I want to receive Jesus. He'd say, sir, you're not ready. He'll pray and preach in a certain way. When that person came up, like the man in the Bible, who Jesus observed in the temple, who would not so much as even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, 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 be merciful to me, a sinner, God. Jesus said that man went home justified because he entered into reality and he had a real perspective of his own life and a real perspective of God and something changed. Jesus said that man went home justified. 
we've all got the same heart. But my challenge this morning is what condition is your heart in? Have you allowed hardness to get in? Started to speak the same way, act the same way as some of your worldly mates, just been hard. My friend, God is here and he wants to soften your heart this morning, but you've got to open it wide and allow him in. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.